Hey everyone, I just want to take a quick minute to thank everyone for listening. I've gotten such tremendous feedback from people from all over the country. I've gotten letters from listeners in South Africa. I've got letters from residents across the, the world. And when I go to conferences, it's it's not uncommon that someone will stop me and, and say, hey, thank you for having so-and-so on. Their story really impacted me. Um, so as we have transitioned this year from stories just about topics in ophthalmology, more to stories about ophthalmologists, what's interesting in their practice and what's interesting in their life, um, I hope that transition has been something that um, has has been met with a lot of favor from the audience. That being said, I'd really like to know what topics, what ideas, and what people have inspired you this year. Uh, we would like to know that not only to thank those guests maybe in a special way, but also to know as we plan on going forward what topics you're most interested in. You know, ultimately this this podcast is not about me or really even the guests. It's really about those who are listening. We've really found that the podcast is a new way to um, share information, and we think it's really being impactful. Um, one other thing I'd like to do is I'd really like to thank Alcon for their sponsorship. Uh, we've just come off Thanksgiving, and as I was sitting around thinking about the things I'm thankful for, I'm really thankful to have this opportunity to do this podcast with a sponsor like Alcon. You know, as you've noticed, we don't stay uh, on label. We don't stay on talking about just one company. We go all over the place, and that's really the point of Off the Grid. We are not really bound by those uh, typical industry rules. And I just want to thank Alcon for sponsoring something in a way where they're allowing us to have um, an open voice and really just spreading good information about ophthalmology and not product specific. I think that's really unique. And so if you are a listener of the show, I would like for each of you to thank your local rep because even though they're not you know, the, ultimately the decision maker in that sponsorship, they're connected with Alcon and those thank yous go a long way. Uh, they have a tough job too. And uh, I think it's always important that we show our appreciation uh, where we can. Finally, if there's a topic that you would like to have covered, if there's a thought you'd like to share, please tweet me at CataractMD. And you can use the hashtag OOTG for ophthalmology off the grid. So at CataractMD, hashtag OOTG. I'd like to start the conversation and I'd like you to be part of it. Maybe in 2018, we can be even a little more interactive with the podcast. So uh, here's to the next year and uh, hopefully we'll have uh, tons of more interesting content for you. Thanks. Open, outspoken, it's Ophthalmology Off the Grid, an honest look at controversial topics in the field. I'm Gary Wirtz. While the benefits far outweigh the costs, being an ophthalmologist is not without some price. In addition to the emotional stress of being responsible for patients' most valued sense, ophthalmologists are also subject to the physical demands of performing microsurgery through a scope. As you listen to this, are you growing aware of a pain, say, in your neck or lower back? Well, you're not alone. The unfortunate thing is that the effects of this physical pain can be far-reaching, altering our moods, our mindsets, and our performance in the OR. Therefore, just as we carry a responsibility for our patient's health, we should also carry one for our own. Today's episode is all about finding ways to transfer our physical stress, reducing the pains of operating, and ensure that when in the OR, we are operating at peak performance. Joining me to dissect this important topic and tell us a little bit about how CrossFit has changed his life for the better is Dr. Daryl White. (music) 
Ophthalmology Off the Grid is an independent podcast supported with advertising by Alcon. Welcome back to another episode of Ophthalmology Off the Grid. This is Dr. Gary Wirtz, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing a great friend and colleague, Dr. Daryl White. Uh, Daryl and I have got to know each other over the past couple of years, but recently I had a chance to go and spend a little bit of time with him um, at the Cleveland Ophthalmology Society meeting. And it was just a real treat to uh, get to know Daryl a little bit better. And we, we recognized that we had some cool things in common. And um, I'm not going to reveal that at, at, at this point, but we will get into that. So Daryl, uh, with that being said, thank you so much for carving out a little bit of time to come on and, and discuss things that you're passionate about, both inside ophthalmology and also outside ophthalmology. Uh, it's my pleasure, Gary. It's a, it's a treat to be here. So um, I, th- I think we should just dive right in. Um, one thing uh, that I've been trying to do uh, this year, uh, sort of personal goals, has been to work out a little bit more regularly. And with the ultimate goal of joining CrossFit, which I did a couple of months ago. And uh, so that's been a really cool renaissance for me. I've really um, uh, derived tremendous benefit from that. And uh, lo and behold, I'm actually sitting across from CrossFit royalty, as it were. Uh, and, and that's something I did not know. Uh, but as it turns out, Daryl White is probably, correct me if I'm wrong, Daryl, maybe more famous as a CrossFitter than even as an ophthalmologist. And you're very prominent as an ophthalmologist. So uh, talk to me a little bit about when you got into CrossFit. And let's just talk about your journey there. Sure. Uh, I'm basically a partially brain damaged, washed up ex-football player. And you know, a big part of my personality, a big part of who I think I am, is wrapped up in my athletic past. And I guess it was uh, December of 2005. I was bored and lonely in the gym. I was starting to get a little softer on the middle, and it just was really bumming me out. And I stumbled across a men's journal article on this thing called CrossFit. And so this is like way back in the very beginning of, of CrossFit, correct? Well, you know, it was it, CrossFit really was launched as CrossFit in 2003 or thereabouts. But CrossFit was this concept banging around in the brains of this – uh, genius ex-gymnast math major from UCLA who decided that he didn't want to be a rocket scientist. And thankfully for all the rest of us, he decided, well, I'm going to revolutionize physical fitness, a guy named Greg Glassman. And uh, Greg goes by coach in the CrossFit community. Right. And, and coach had come up with this process and had one gym. And somebody from Men's Journal discovered CrossFit Santa Cruz. And there was in the article kind of like CrossFit light. Here are five days worth of CrossFit workouts, but on the side, a little tiny sidebar. And this is where it really happens, CrossFit.com. And when I went there and went to CrossFit.com in December of 2005, I think there were 50 gyms and maybe 5,000 people all over the world who were doing CrossFit. Most of them actually military, uh, first responders, SWAT officers, special forces guys. And I looked at it and I said, ah, this looks pretty good. And went to the gym January 1st, 2006. And I did a workout called Angie. And as you know, Gary, the yeah. are some of the benchmark workouts in CrossFit are named after women, kind of like hurricanes. And they pretty much leave <laughs> you like you're in the back end of a hurricane. Yeah, exactly. And Angie is 100 push-ups, 100 pull-ups, 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, 100 squats. And you're supposed to do the, the 100 in a row. You don't break them up. And it took me 45 minutes to do it. And then I could not stand for 45 minutes. And, right. and that was the beginning of my CrossFit journey. 
So I think that would probably be the end of a lot of people's CrossFit <laughs> journey. And, and maybe, maybe it is the end of a lot of people's uh, journey in fitness. Well, um, don't forget brain damage was part of my self-description. That's right. right. That's right. right. So uh, my backstory, I don't know if I've really told uh, too many people this, uh, but, you know, I decided back in 2008 to really get in shape. And I'm kind of this all or nothing kind of guy. And so I decided to hire a personal trainer, like do the whole thing. And after my first workout, I actually developed rhabdomyolysis, okay? So for, for all of us who are, are removed from our training in general medicine, as a reminder, rhabdomyolysis happens when you stretch your muscles too hard and they actually um, um, leach um, all the proteins of the muscle into the bloodstream, which can actually cause kidney damage. And it's, it's more, it has a 5% mortality rate. Uh, usually it's caused from crush injuries after a car accident or, or something, but you can get it from doing too many squats in a deconditioned state. And I found that out, and I was actually in the hospital for a week and uh, couldn't even operate. And so I realized, all right, I need to be a little bit more careful. And so I've kind of been, over the past few years, kind of going back and forth about how I want to, you know, um, engage physical fitness and, and exercise. But to that that aside, you know, there are risks involved with any uh, workout regimen, I've really found that as I've continued to be more active um, surgically, there is a certain level of both mental stress that is involved with the unique job of being an anterior segment or actually any surgeon, but especially a surgeon doing um, microsurgery through a scope. There's a certain amount of, of mental stress there, but there's also a certain amount of physical toll that that takes on your body, especially when you're sitting there for hours upon hours. Um, it may be a hunched over position. Um, you're trying to accommodate the patient's uh, morph, you know, morphology. You're trying to accommodate their situation. You put yourself in uncomfortable situations. And I really realized I was starting to get some lower back pain. I was starting to get some neck pain. And you know, I've, I had been told from colleagues and mentors that this was an issue that affects most ophthalmologists at some point in their career. And this year, I, I started actually doing more Olympic lifting, um, so, you know, really not as much running, some running, but really more uh, high-intensity training. And it's almost miraculous how that just went away. And I don't know if it's the stress relief or if it's just conditioning the body to be able to withstand more of these uh, maybe posture uh, or bad posture positions. But um, Daryl, what do you, what have you seen on your journey from 2005, um, you know, throughout this whole time? And then we can maybe get a little bit more into the actual nuts and bolts of, of what it's like working out. Uh, but what have you, what kind of benefits have you derived? Um, in, in that can go in any direction from uh, physical fitness. Is that as that being a very important part of your of your life? Well, the my backstory goes all the way back to high school. I was a uh, I played football in high school and college, and I broke my back returning a punt when I was a sophomore in high school. And from that time on, I had continual real back issues. And even as young as seventeen or eighteen, doing uh, or feeling what we colloquially hear people say is throwing your back out, and you're not supposed to have your back thrown out when you're seventeen. Right. And I had that periodically literally until I started doing CrossFit. From the time I started doing CrossFit until today, I need some wood to bang on here. Yeah, let's um, collectively bang on some wood. But okay. my, I have, I have not had that kind of back problem, and it's somewhat counterintuitive. High-intensity workouts that also include relatively heavy lifting in things which would be sacrilegious in certain parts of the, the fitness community 
heavy squats and heavy deadlifts. I weigh about 155 pounds. And as at 57 years old, 155 pounds, I have about a 315 pound deadlift and about a 270 pound back squat, which would be totally unimpressive if you were 27, uh, but is, uh, I think, relatively, uh, let's just say that it's meaningful at 57. And the net result for me is that my endurance in the operating room and my endurance in the office is now a non-issue. Now, people watch ophthalmologists operate and they say, dude, all you do is you move your fingers a matter of millimeters. And you're sitting the whole time. Right. So how, how hard can it be? How hard can it be? And the combination of increased stamina, but also that strength, which I really didn't have as a younger surgeon, has allowed me thus far, more wood to knock on, has allowed me thus far to be really relatively comfortable and more to the point, pain-free when I walk out of the operating room. And I attribute that to the work that's gone on in the last 12 years for me in CrossFit. So just the straight physical result of high-intensity workouts, the CrossFit mantras constantly varied functional movements performed at relatively high intensity, that has meant for me a pain-free surgical experience thus far. Well, and I've, I've experienced the same thing just over the past about 12 months, um, a dramatic reduction in lower, actually not just reduction, complete elimination of low back pain because I started incorporating deadlifts into my workout, which again, that seems like it's the most counterintuitive thing. You'd never want to stress your back if your back is already giving you problems. But I think the problem comes down to we those muscles atrophy if they're not being used. And if they atrophy, you know, obviously they're weaker and they're not supporting your spine. So uh, by having good core strength and good back strength, um, it's, I think it's just incredible. Um, th that pain just goes away. I, and I think it's important to, to mention, you, know, you and I can just go through this conversation because we're able to make certain assumptions because we're both CrossFitters. I think it's really important for us to mention to the part of your audience, which is probably going to be 99.7% of your audience that is not doing CrossFit, that one of the key critical elements of doing these exercises is doing them properly. That's right. The, the, we, we emphasize as CrossFitters, whether we work out in a CrossFit gym or a box, as you do in Lexington, or work out solo, which is the way that I've worked out most of the time, that the most important thing is the first thing. We have to have proper mechanics. That's right. You don't just go out there and lift up uh, some huge, massive amount from the floor. You do it properly and build up to it. So it's not only that we're becoming stronger, but we're also doing something mechanically that properly aligns the strength in that midline. Daryl, I want you to tell your story a little bit about not just the physical um, improvements that you've, you've noticed. One layer deeper than that, and maybe potentially more important, is the, I'm going to say it in two ways, the stress release of working out and also the ability to cope with stress because you are stressing your system in a, in a meaningful way through working out? Yeah, those, those are, are, are great questions, Gary, and those are especially great questions in the, the CrossFit context because CrossFit's hard, and you simply can't get the benefit from doing CrossFit without being uncomfortable. Um, there are lots of little catchphrases, you know, being comfortable, being uncomfortable. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be fun to be fun. Those you know, things that CrossFitters... If it feels good, you're not doing it right. <laughs> right. And those, those are the kind of things that CrossFitters throw back and forth at each other. But we have stressful jobs. 
if you think about what we do, all surgery has been called, uh, in general, controlled arrogance. And you think about what we do. We go inside people's eyes. We do things to people's eyes to make them see better, to make them more healthy. But it's a very, very stressful, zero uh, error tolerance world. And we simply can't escape the fact that it puts us under pressure. When I was starting my CrossFit journey, in addition to that, I had just started the new practice. And in addition to that, I had a sick child. And anybody who's listening who has a child knows that it's the single most frightening thing possible to have a child who's sick. And, and my daughter's been very generous with, with people um, talking about the problem. And I'll simply say that we almost lost her when she was 16. Oh my gosh. So I had fear, I had anger, I had anxiety. And I went to the gym and I brought all of it to the gym. And in CrossFit, we talk about going to the dark place. You go to a place of real exertion. But I was able to go to that dark place and I was able to leave all of those bad emotions there. Now, they were back the next day because my daughter was still sick. Right. But they weren't compounding on each other. That's absolutely correct. And I was not laying those on to another human being who was important in my life. I wasn't laying them on the rest of the family. I wasn't laying them on staff or heaven forbid, not on patients. So the first stress release is I was able to go to the gym and because of the particular nature of CrossFit, I was able to literally purge those really, really hard and dangerous emotions and leave them in the barbell. The second thing that I noticed, which was not something which was widely known at the time, was my response to stress overall was blunted. Any stress, the stress in the operating room, things start to go a little haywire in the operating room, your natural response, the natural physiologic response is your pulse rate goes up, your breathing becomes more shallow, and it's a, it's a chemical reaction. It's the neurochemical response to stress. Fight or flight. <laughs> By stressing yourself in the gym, you actually teach your body to respond to stress in a more general way. So it's not just the physical stress of the exercise. It's also the neurochemical, neuroendocrinologic, emotional response to the stress. And I noticed that in the operating room, I was never uptight. I'm never uptight. Things are sometimes difficult, but that's all they are. The things are difficult, but my response has been blunted. And subsequent to my first realizing that there's a large body of evidence that's been collected at CrossFit Inc. about that response, a lot of doctors who have casually studied it, it's a real thing. So I'm better at what I do, and I'm a better leader in the areas of my life that could be stressful because there's been a transference of that stress response training physically to the stress response emotionally and neurologically in every aspect of my life. Yeah, and I, I can vouch for that. I've had the exact same experience. Um, actually, my wife, who's just incredibly in tune, I think, <laughs> with, with my psychological state, you know, if I haven't worked out for a, a couple of days, you know, I start getting uptight and I don't recognize it. You know, I feel like I, this is just me, this is, you know, I'm uptight because the situation dictates I should be uptight. Um, but she'll say, you know, it might be a good idea to go to the gym. Uh, and that's her, that's her not so subtle way of saying, 
going to the gym is going to make you a little bit kinder, a little bit less uh, responsive or reactive, and a little more zen, a little more chilled out. And, and the highs and lows don't really, um, they're blunted, right? So the highs are, uh, maybe the highs aren't blunted, no, I, I would say just, but the lows yeah. are, 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 blue, are buoyed. Um, so I become a lot more mellow. My, I, I my like kids I, were a little older than yours when I started doing this, and it wasn't just my wife who made that observation. It was also my children who made that observation, and they also felt very free to share with Dad, hey, you know, have you been to the gym recently? Right, right, <laughs> right exactly. And, I, and to be honest, that's, that's a good thing. It's good to have sure. people in your life who recognize the healthy habits that you're developing and when you are a better person for it. I think that's, a, that's great. You know, Daryl, I'm gonna I'm gonna use you as a resource and share a little bit of about my um, fears uh, before starting CrossFit uh, because I was really intimidated by going into the box the first time because I felt like I was gonna be around a bunch of people who were in way better shape than me and I was going to be um, you know almost like the intern again, right? Going back to square one and being around people who are uh, much better and and happy to um, express that. And for a long time, I was pretty happy just working out um, in my gym and I was getting some you know some good benefits. Um, but I knew that there was sort of a next level and I was there was sort of this make or break moment that I, I decided, ah, uh, I think I'm going to do this. But my experience was so positive. It was absolutely uh, 180 degrees away from that. It was a bunch of people who were extraordinarily kind and welcoming and were happy to show me how to do exercises in a little bit different way if I wasn't ready for the what, what they call the full RX um, workout, the scaled workouts. Uh, and they were they were really happy to to show me how to do that and to do those alongside me. And it really became almost, you know, and this is a, a short journey in my life. It's been a couple months. But it's just really been amazing to see um, how a, a group has been able to be so welcoming. And, and it was it was um, a big barrier that was just not there. It was, it was actually a fake barrier. It was just mental. Do you feel like people struggle with that? Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that, Gary. I think that there's a perception out there that, uh, CrossFit is hard and CrossFit's only there for the people who are super fit. And, and just like you, a lot of people say, well, you know, I'm going to exercise so I can get ready to do CrossFit. The reality is that the, in the definition of CrossFit, it's not high intensity, it's relatively high intensity. And the relativity is relative to what's high intensity for you. That's right. So in fact, almost everybody can go to a CrossFit gym Assuming that the CrossFit uh, that the trainers and the the lead dog trainer is is fully on board with the CrossFit philosophy, and you can start tomorrow, you can start tomorrow if you can walk into the gym. And the hardest day in anybody's CrossFit journey is walking through the door the first day. That's right. Because you really have to, you know, put your big boy and big girl pants on and get over that notion that I can't do this, this is too much for me, and walk in the door. And you walk in the door and almost everybody has the experience that you have when you walked in. Everybody says hi. 
the coach comes over and talks to you. You get an opportunity to share your fears and share your concerns. And the next thing you know, you're in the middle of a WOD, which, right. you know, for, for your audience, WOD stands for workout of the day. And since this is probably a PG production, we'll, we'll try to steer away from some of the other more ribald and, and uh, uh, frisky things that CrossFitters talk about our exercises. But um, the second hardest day in CrossFit is to go back the second day because only, even though it's a relatively high intensity experience, you still likely worked harder than you've worked in any other time in the gym and you're sore. Right. And you go in That's right. and you're getting out of bed and you're thinking, oh, what did I do? do and you know i just don't know if i can go back but then you remember hey everybody was happy to see me and the coach was really excited about working with me and i was really kind of pumped and you gather up your courage and you go back after that it just makes a ton of sense and you don't want to leave that's right what do you think the are the biggest mistakes that people make when they first start working out you have to check your ego, your ego at the door, man. And that's, you know, back when I was doing it, there were only 50 gyms. There were no gyms in Cleveland. I live in, in Cleveland. And some of us have gone back, and it looks like that I was actually the very first CrossFitter in, in Cleveland, Ohio. And and can you tell can you tell people your name? That, can we link that? <laughs> sure. I, mean, I want proof that I actually sure. know the world famous. I, I don't know if we can say that it's world famous. We need to be a little reasonable here. But, right. uh, you know, back in 2000, 2004-05-06, uh, people who had even the tiniest bit of a, a public job went out of their way not to put their real name on the Internet. And uh, on CrossFit.com, there were lots of people who had nicknames or call signs. And uh, my my call sign in CrossFit is Bingo. Bingo. And there it is. The, uh, the, I've been told that, you know, there may be a couple dozen people who know who Daryl White is, um, but there, there are lots and lots of people who know Bingo is because for many, many years I've written for the CrossFit community on Sunday. And uh, just as an aside, I, I wrote Sunday Musings for CrossFit.com on an iPad today. Uh, I'm not really very good on the iPad, so I, I must have proofread it 11 times. Um, but the, uh, yeah, so it's uh, in the CrossFit world, I'm, I'm known by whoever knows me as Bingo. And I'll, I'll just, I'll verify this because I went to my local box where I work out CrossFit 859, uh, tremendous people. And I, I was like, all right, I got to call Daryl out on this. Like, is he really famous? Because, like, if these guys know who he is, then that's 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 very much a ver- verification. And so I talked to the coach at the gym. I said, hey, just curious, um, have you ever heard of a guy named Bingo? They're like, oh, yeah, Bingo is huge. Bingo, like, everyone knows Bingo. He's like, why? I'm like, really? Like, you really? He's like, yeah, absolutely. Everybody knows who Bingo is. I'm like, he's actually a friend of mine. And they're like, what? Really, you know this guy, and it was a really funny conversation because, like, man, Daryl is the man. Daryl Daryl White is the man at CrossFit. I can I've independently verified it. You're hearing it here first. Uh, it's and it was and it's awesome. And and I had I had to say I thought at that moment we've got to talk about this at some point <laughs> because this is this Daryl. I think you can be a resource. You're, you're obviously known as a resource for anterior segment surgery, dry eye. You you add so much to our educational side of ophthalmology. But this is such a unique skill set that you have. Your experience, I think, is unique. And I feel like we don't do a good enough job as ophthalmologists trying to take care of our bodies or even talking about that. I've not heard at the academy meeting any talks about keeping your body in shape to be a surgeon. 
that is a concept that is vitally important. I think there's there's some stats here that I, I was able to pull off. In 1994, there was a, a, a survey that 54% of ophthalmologists uh, report significant attacks of back pain in the past month. In 2005, 52% of ophthalmologists said they had uh, neck, upper body, or lower back pain in the prior month, and 15% of ophthalmologists said that that limited their ability to do work. And we know the oculoplastics guys, you know, they're kind of hunched over doing bluffs and uh, levator recessions, et cetera, and um, advancements, I should say. And they are, uh, almost 75% of them have neck issues that um, limit their work while operating. As we face a work shortage in ophthalmology and we are asked to be in the operating room longer, we're asked to do more cases, and we're asked to operate longer in our careers. Maintaining our physical health is, it's almost, a, it's almost like a public health service for us to maintain ourselves because there's almost not enough of us and we can't exit early. Don't you agree with that? I, I, I agree with all that. First of all, a little bit of a disclaimer. Um, you know, the, in the CrossFit world, there are people who are really, really famous. I like to describe myself as a C-list personality who has B-list aspirations. <laughs> okay, um, fair enough. My contributions have been quite modest, and, and, and what I've re- received in return for my modest uh, contributions has, has been way, way, way off the charts on, on my favor. But I, I, I agree with all of that, Gary, and I think the um, I actually shared a cab with someone from Ohio who has a uh, a disc problem in his neck and it's an incredible problem and it's it's going to be a, a a human problem just for people we know but from a societal standpoint yes we have to take better care of ourselves we are unique in that we have a certain physical stress the position in which we have to put ourselves to work the hours that we have to work the things that we do we're just one version of a larger societal thing, and, and you certainly see this in the office. If we look around the floor, we're, uh, you know, we're at a convention together, we've got lots of colleagues, and we're seeing all different kinds of body types. But what we see in the physicians who are older than us is a certain lack of physical fitness. And I, I would love to have an opportunity to talk to the kids just coming out of their residencies. I would love to have an opportunity to talk to those people in their mid to late 30s who are just having their first injury and say, it doesn't have to be like this. Right. It, it's possible in a very highly time-effective manner. It doesn't have to be CrossFit. I think personally think that CrossFit is the way you should do it, but it doesn't have to be CrossFit. Right. That you can prolong your career, but not only that, make the career more pleasant. If you get the other things that you and I have enjoyed, lower stress, the ability to handle stress better, just generally feeling better about our bodies, that's awesome. That, that's, that's a win right that's, there. That's terrific. And if you get that, man, that's that's the you know the cherry on top of the whipped cream and top of the ice cream sundae, which we're not supposed to be talking about. But um, it's interesting that there's no venue within which you and I could talk about that. There's no established opportunity that's there for us to seize. Right. We have to create it. Right. Well, maybe maybe this is just the beginning of a larger conversation where that becomes part of the culture inside ophthalmology that we discuss ways to take care of ourselves, not just from a physical fitness standpoint, which I think we're both biased towards, but also ergonomics 
um, occupational therapy, how do you hold your instruments and your neck and your body during surgery? I feel like that is an unmet need that perhaps um, our societies can can rally around because keeping us active, healthy, and being able to take care of patients is ultimately um, going to uh, reap tremendous benefits uh, for both ourselves and our patients long term. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, and uh, and not for nothing. There's also that trickle forward effect in the rest of our lives. That's right. Um, I am quite frankly, and, I've, and if I didn't believe it, uh, my wife, who is universally known in the CrossFit world as Bingo's better ninety five percent, my wife has shared with me that I'm frankly a, a, a better human being for having had this type of outlet in my life. You know, not only am I healthier, but I'm just frankly a, a nicer guy. Well, with that being said, Daryl, you were a nice guy, I'm sure, before, and now you are like the nicest guy ever. And so, Daryl, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story, encouraging others to take care of themselves. And let's, let's, fur- let's further this conversation at least every year because I want to ha- continue uh, to maybe move the needle on this. Gary, it's my pleasure. The only thing that would make me happier would be able to do Fran side by side with oh, you. Oh, you'd destroy me. You'd destroy me. Maybe next year we'll do that, okay? <laughs> All right. Surely not all of us are going to turn into bingo overnight, and CrossFit may not be the perfect regimen for everyone, but I think Daryl and I agree that finding a way to burn off some steam through physical activity is a key exercise for all ophthalmologists. Your body, your mind, and yes, those around you will thank you. And with that, thank you for listening to another episode of Ophthalmology Off the Grid with Dr. Gary Words. As always, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And if there's something on your mind, let's talk about it on Off the Grid. Thanks. Ophthalmology Off the Grid is an independent podcast supported with advertising by Alcon.